Hi, creeps. It's December 4th, but Happy New Year because we're shifting gears this December and finally doing a movie that isn't Christmas-centric with, what is it called? Bloody New Year. Bloody New Year? <laughs> Bloody New Year. <laughs> right. I'm prepared. I am prepared. our last full-length episode of 2023. As always, I am Anya. I'm Alex. That's an insane thing to hear because I can't believe it's already almost 2024. I know. But wow. It's funny that uh, I think our next episode is going to come out on January 1st. And Greg was like, why wouldn't you just do this on January 1st? And I was like, well, it's too late. Because we don't plan well, obviously. (laughs) No, I'm excited. Um, I feel like there's not a huge array of New Year's Eve horror that I can think of. Like, I really like Terror Train. I feel like you're not a huge Terror Train girly. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, I don't really know a ton offhand that are, like, New Year's Eve centric. So I was excited that we did something. I think Ghostbusters 2 is New Year's Eve. Oh, well, there you go. Well, thank God we've got Ghostbusters (laughs) 2. Um... No, I'm sure there there is like a lot. I think there's not a lot of mainstream New yeah. Year's Eve horror. All the, I mean, like in my head, I'm like, well, Terror Train is the big one. Terror Train is not, a, I would say, a mainstream movie. It's still like like non horror no, fans are Jamie not Lee. watching fucking yeah. Terror Train. But you, the people that understand what I'm trying to say understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, so we watched uh, Bloody New Year from the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 1987. Um, <laughs> Senior as the Lost Boys for anybody keeping uh, yeah. score. Um, but yeah, this is the first watch for both of us. Um, it should be on record that we, because we always pick, I'm sure we said this on here before, but we always pick um, like our October episode together and we always pick like the December because it's like holiday centric usually mm-hmm. episode together. Um, so we were like, oh, like, what should we do? And like, we had a list and we picked from the list and we were both very drawn to the poster of this movie. Um, so let's just start out the gate. This, the movie poster, at least the one on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like literally, like it looks like, like, um, fuck, what is the word I'm looking for? It looks like bowling alley carpet. <laughs> yeah. Like does. a nightmare bowling alley carpet. Like that's how I have to describe it. And I mean that in the best possible way. What's giving like a, like the carpet at like the movie theater we worked at yeah. before the renovations? Yeah, like it's, oh yeah, it's very eighties, very colorful. I th- and I also saw a different poster that was just like an image of one of the characters when they're like zombified, mm-hmm. and it's very creepy. And I I really also enjoyed that. So there's multiple posters for this film that are very good. And the reviews that I had like briefly looked at on Letterboxd were like. What the fuck did I just watch? This was so crazy. So I was very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would go that far, but you know. Mm. This is the second movie in a row that we've watched fully blind, both of us. And I feel like maybe it's not a great uh, trend <laughs> we're starting not- because 
I don't think it's a, a strongly loved film again. I was gonna say to you, I was like, because you're a, yours the January pick. I was gonna be like, oh I, God, I think for January at least <laughs> we should pick something that at the very least you have seen and liked. Um, yeah, because I'm gonna pick a a crowd pleaser. Don't worry. Let, let, let's say this: this anything we were gonna pick after Blood Harvest was gonna be better than Blood Harvest, and I still feel that way. I feel mm-hmm. like I like this more than Blood Harvest. Let me say that. Um, so there's that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we didn't move too far up the ladder. Of we did not. No. It felt like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I watched it alone. Like I don't even know. Like now, like two or three days ago. Um, mm-hmm. It was like probably like Friday. It was like right after Thanksgiving. I was like, time to get in the spirit. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I went in with truly high expectations. I was like, high expectations in the way where I was like, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Not like, oh my God, mm-hmm. here comes the Oscar. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the tales all this time. Like, you see the fucking coolest goddamn movie poster or like book cover or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, fuck, I hope this is good. And it's always, not always, but I feel like a good amount of time you're like, damn I didn't fuck with that I didn't like that which is the worst feeling because I'm the bitch ready to like I've got my wallet out I'm like I'm gonna watch this movie if I like this movie the like 11 by 17 movie posters going in the Amazon cart right now like oh it's coming to my house tomorrow but then it's like wah wah and I'm like (laughs) yeah it's a bummer I I also went in just being like I'm ready for a stupid wild ridiculous good time um And I do think that it has some moments that on paper I think are great. Yeah. And even in moments within it where I'm like, that is really impressive. I'm really enjoying this vibe that we have going on. But then there's just so much what feels like filler in between all of the like small good moments. Um, And all of the characters, in my opinion, I don't know, we can get into this later. I don't feel like any of them were particularly distinct in their personalities. So it took me a long time to like understand who was who and who was with who and like, oh, well, this person went there and like, now who's that guy showing up? Like it was a little bit confusing and not because it's a complex film, but because I think it was um, not structured super great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I look forward to talking in depth about this weird summer New Year's movie. Let's let's get into this. Um, for starters, if you're looking to watch this movie, uh, it is available on Tubi, I believe, amongst a handful of other like random free streaming apps. My favorite thing now is we've talked about this on a past episode, but like going on if you have Roku and you like search it and it tells you all the apps and it'll be like oh like Tubi Plex whatever and then it'll be like horrormovies.net app scream if you must app I love <laughs> spooky stuff app and you're just like uh, yeah okay it's just like 20 Amazing. of these like random fucking apps and you're like right okay i went with tubi tubi is my you know old thing yeah my go-to um I, I did as well but yeah um and it's 94 minutes so not too bad um could have been shorter yeah um definitely could have girl yeah they it doesn't help when a movie <laughs> is like already kind of like at 94 minutes even if you didn't have ads is like 
yeah this is dragging and then you put the oh, ads yeah. in oh it will kill all- and listen i'm not even against ads i like watching movies with ads sometimes it reminds me of like growing up with cable and you're like okay the ad break is coming like for mr and mrs smith like run and brush your teeth and run fucking back <laughs> um but yeah sometimes it'll kill the momentum like completely watching something like this um but mm-hmm. should we give the good folks at home whatever version of a rundown of plot we can for this movie yeah you got it i uh, i really <laughs> struggled last month with um blood harvest so i'm gonna do my very best to be more succinct this time around um because it's uh, yet again a film where it's just like a bunch of shit happens mm-hmm. and like that's kind of it so bloody new year um first of all it's a british film it's a uh made in the uk that is uh important to note just because of one character um we open on some footage of a New Year's Eve party in 1959 with a bunch of people dancing and partying. Um, and then we go to present day, which is obviously 1987, where we meet our group of protagonists. It's two couples and their friend Spud uh, who are hanging out at the beach and at this like carnival area. And they see this American tourist named Carol being just terrorized by these hooligans on a tilt-a-whirl type ride that are, they're just like spinning her mercilessly. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, they intervene. They get in a fight with these guys and eventually, after a long scuffle, get onto a boat and go off into the sea. But quickly they crash on some rocks and get stranded on this island. They discover a resort that is decorated for a New Year's Eve party, even though we are in July, and they cannot find anybody that works there or is staying there. There's just nobody around. So at this point, because Spud is kind of trying to get with Carol, the group is kind of divided into three couples who all continuously just go off on their own little side adventures. And everybody kind of interacts with some various ghostly experience. Um, And one couple goes to like put the power back on. And once the power is back on, they all get together. They've changed into 50s clothing that they've just found in people's rooms. And they hear noises and they discover that there's a cinema playing a movie to an empty auditorium and the projection booth is empty spud who is the like clown of the group goes up on the screen and starts like mocking the movie that's happening behind him when a man comes through the screen and kills him which terrifies everybody else and now they have decided they have to get the hell off this island and yet again they split up having more ghostly encounters from disembodied voices to being stuck in what is essentially um, a snow globe. A lot of the the little things that happen, I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth. Um, And then the hooligans, the thugs from the opening, show up on the island to exact their revenge. And the main guy named Dad punches a (laughs) hole through Leslie, who is one of the the female protagonists, and immediately turns her into a zombie. So now we have ghosts and zombies and humans all fighting each other. One by one, everyone is getting picked off and or turned into zombies until eventually we are only left with Rick and Carol, who is the American tourist that they just met, as they are told by a resurrected Leslie in 50s attire that a plane flew over this resort in 1959 with some kind of scientific hoopla that then caught them in a time warp. And all living and dead people are now stuck, essentially Hotel California style, in this time warp at this resort. They yet yet again try to escape, 
but fail and join the New Year's Eve party with everybody else in 1959. Yeah. There you go. You did a great job. You really fucking got through that. Yeah, because I skipped over all of the specifics. Nice. That's the way to yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into discussing the content of those specifics, mm-hmm. let's get into some BTS fun fact stuff. Yeah. Um, I found what I could. Um, yeah, I figured there's probably not a ton out there for this. At first, I was like, oh, I can't find anything. I was like, girl, I'm about to show up and be like, I have nothing. <laughs> and then I, I did find some stuff, and I was like, okay, this is something. Um. So it's directed by Norman J. Warren, um, who mainly has so many of these films. Pretty much prior to this, I mean, he also did, um, pre this, he did two other horror films, Prey and Inseminoid. Um, but before all of those, he did, like, softcore porn stuff. Um, okay. As is the way. As is the way. Um, Not really any nudity in this film. No. Considering the fact that he's a, a softcore director. Yeah, that's Did I say true. soft corn? <laughs> a soft corn director, yeah. folks. <laughs> Doesn't get stuck in your teeth as much. Um, <laughs> but they, um, as you said, um, it takes place in the UK. It was shot in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love Wales. Uh, good old Wales. Um, Hate the mammals, love the si- the, the country. Um, and all the music was done. Um, the score was com- composed by Nick Magnus. Um and there was, including that, there was seven songs by Nick Magnus and Chas uh, mm. Kronk's band, Cry No More, including, like, the opening song um, mm-hmm. that then they, like, play several times throughout the movie. Um, I can't oh, – fuck. A Recipe for a Romance, that's what it's called. Um, it was a banger, I'll say that. I gotta say, the best part of this film was the soundtrack. Yeah. I was really – it was slapping. I was really into well, it. Well, what it reminded me of, at least the first one, which I should, like, check this – at some point, because mm-hmm. maybe it is the same. I don't know that it is, but I feel like both of them were probably shot in the UK. Um, one of my favorite uh, horror anthologies, The Monster Club, um, starring Vincent Price. Um, I could mm-hmm. not tell you, gun to my head, off the top of my head, what the actual anthology stories are, but the cut-betweens are Vincent Price, who's taken this like horror author to The Monster Club. Um, and they are watching it. Like, he's like, it's like a bunch of stupid puns and talking about shit. And they're also, it's musical acts performing and one of mm-hmm. them um is this band they're the, the musical acts are so fucking wild and so good they're the fucking best part of the movie but there's a band that gets up and sings this song um sucker for your love which is clearly like about like a vampire like being in love with a girl um and it's also a bop and it sounded like this band and i was like wait a minute <laughs> sucker for your love cry no more is that you um I'll have to check to see if that's the case. But um, the movie was released direct-to-video. No theatrical run for this one. Uh, in the September of 1987 in the UK and then October in the United States. Um, Interesting that they released... It's a New Year's movie set in the summer, released in the fall. Yeah. Um, because they shot it in June, um, which makes sense because of... Obviously- Wait, they shot it in June and it came out in September? Yep. Wow, that's a fast turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, and the Friars Point House um, in, uh, or excuse me, of on 
I can't speak, on Barry Island in South Wales was um, the location for the Grand Island Hotel, which is obviously post-boat crash where most of the movie takes place. Um, but something I thought was fun is the fairground scenes that take place at the beginning were filmed um, at the Barry Island's um, long-running fun fair. Um, so an actual fair, I, like kind of like, I like a Coney Island situation. Um, mm-hmm. But they apparently had like minimal supervision from the owners. They just like gave the owners like gave the crew like full fucking use of the site um for um three hundred pounds. Oh wow. Um okay. for a whole week of shooting there. Um like that's amazing. What a fucking steal I can't even imagine. Um like Yeah, I mean I guess they mostly use it for the the like Matterhorn Tilt a Whirl type ride and then the like chase sequences. Yeah. They do get a good good amount of the real estate in there that's good that's awesome but just like getting like scoring like a huge filming location like granted sure they don't use that much of it in theory but like still it's and even with inflation that's like insanely cheap yeah um yeah that's crazy and to secure extras for um those scenes they just offered free rides uh to people members (laughs) of the public they're like oh Oh, you're like cool with like being in the movie like you can come ride this shit for free the way i'd be like move (laughs) i'm coming in um, but to double back on my notes here, um, so the director, Norman J. Warren was approached mm-hmm. by, uh, Maxine Julius. Is that how you say her name? Julius? Sure. Yeah. Maxine Julius, um, to, um, make a horror film for her. Um, and they, so him and I believe, yeah, him and, uh, Hayden Pierce, the line producer of the movie, developed the plot over seven days, which, as we've said before, some of these things, mm-hmm. it certainly shows that she wrote this for the week. <laughs> um, so it was actually, it was meant to be an homage to the 50s B-movies, which we love. Mm-hmm. Um, love that. And um, the, 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 the originally, though, the entire film was set to take place all in the 1950s. Um, but it was abandoned because of budget constraints. I'm sure because of possible like set designing stuff. I mean, da da da. Because I mean, mm-hmm. even the opening where like you mostly see the 50s stuff, like it's like very like montagey. It's not like a lot yeah. of like where it's like I think the most you get is like you get like the dance hall scene, and that's very short lived. Um, and apparently, according to the director, the premise was inspired by the real-life contamination of a Scottish island as a result of a failed disease control experiment. What? Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay. I, I honestly love that shit. Like, I love, like, those, like, it makes me think of, I feel like I've talked about this book before on the podcast, um, The Troop by Nick Cutter. Um Yeah. Where it is just, like, I mean, very different in ways, but, like, these, like, Boy Scouts on an island and, like, you know, they something has – some disease shit has broke out there and it's, like, they got to be cut off. <laughs> they got to fend for themselves now. Like, I love anything that, like, even remotely strays into, like, we're doing Lord of the Flies. I'm fucking Lord yeah. of the Flies, girl, <laughs> to the day I die. Um, so, always, always love hearing that that happened to those poor Scottish people. Oh. Um, let's see. Um. Oh, something else fun about extras to loop back to extras. So in the opening credits mm-hmm. that we were talking about, um, there's a lot of like this like black and white footage of um, the Grand Island Hotel's like New Year's party of 1959. Mm-hmm. And apparently um, the extras that are 
playing the hotel guests that are dancing are members of a local rock and roll preservation society and they work unpaid that's cool i love that there's a rock and roll preservation society that's fucking (laughs) awesome (laughs) i love that that's really cool i like that i like when the extras are like actual people like supporting something and yes it's cool um my last note which i read this and i was like this this makes sense this makes a lot of sense so um our director um has commented negatively on this film since its release not entirely okay. shocking. Um, in an interview, he described the movie as a, quote, very terrible experience for me. In fact, it turned out to be a bloody nightmare. We had the wrong producers on that film, and they didn't know anything about horror. So the film lacks in every department, and by the end of it, my heart just wasn't in it. Oh, Which is that's very like, sad. Yeah, I feel I feel conflicted about that because I'm sad that he had a bad experience and it's, you know, there's clearly another vision that did not get to come to fruition. But at the same time, it is like a nice thing to know that he recognizes that it's not great. And it's not like one of those directors, like the director of Troll 2 being like, no, it's actually an incredible film and you don't know what you're talking about. The thing is like, when this motherfucker from Troll 2 says that, it's like, he's right, but for the wrong reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Troll 2 is an incredible film, but like, for different reasons than why he thinks it's an incredible film. No, he would probably put it in, like, the same conversation as, like, fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption. Well, what, when you they know? interview the That's, like, how mom, he feels. Don't you remember that in the documentary? They, like, interview the mom and she, like, compares it to something. Yeah. Like, to these, like, classic old movies and you're like, yeah. somebody help this poor woman. <laughs> um. Anyways, the director then added that the producers, quote, wanted to make the film cheaply and terribly quick which then uh, resulted in detriment to the music and sound effects, which also sucks. But again, I think that the music... The music is good, actually, if anything. Like, that's the strongest point of the movie. Um, I I don't recall sound effects at the top of my head to to make note of, but music... I know, I mean... No, I would say that the, the sound and the music are very far from my biggest issue. Yeah. Um, and then in a different interview, um, once again, criticized the music saying that it quote, just doesn't work. I just think that you're wrong. Warren. I disagree. I just, I agree that your movie is bad and it was very clearly rushed, but I do not agree that the music is bad, but you're not pinpointing the things that I need you to pinpoint. Um, yeah, you're doing, you're doing the thing where you're recognizing the wrong faults. Um, this final part is so sad, though. Like, I'm like, oh, oh my God. Um, nothing, like, morbid, please. Uh, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, he's dead. Uh, he might be, actually. I don't know. Um, he said, um, on the second day of dubbing, I must confess I gave up on the film. I'd run out of fight and just sat there and let them go through the motions. Um, he then said that his experience on Bloody New Year put him off making any more films. Oh, that is really sad. Which is really sad. When you say dubbing, do you mean just like standard ADR or did they have to like dub voices over um, for the actors? I didn't see anything about them having to dub the voices over. So I just assumed they're talking ADR. Okay. Right. Because it wasn't a situation for me with like like how a lot of Italian horror right. will be dubbed over. It didn't feel like that at all. It felt like 
things lined up. And if it's a British film, I would imagine it was filmed in English. It's interesting. Wow. Well, that's a fucking bummer for that guy because, you know, it's not a great film, but it's definitely not the worst thing I've ever seen. And if a lot of the reasons why it came out poorly were because of the producers and the fact that he didn't have a lot of control or a lot of creative, like, like outlet or time to work out those issues, like... It's obvious why it's not going to work. So it's unfortunate that he didn't get to redeem himself or have a better experience after that. I feel like that's always the tricky thing with film in general. There's so many tricky things with the film industry and all that stuff. But something I think about is like, I feel like the double-edged sword of like, on one hand, if you have a director slash writer, whatever the fuck it is, who has like this vision and they're going to make like the next great whatever. But then, you know, you get people involved, producers, studios, whatever, that then are like, well, we have these notes and you have to do this and blah, blah, blah. And then they like, fuck it. And then you're like, oh my God, we were so, de- I mean, I'm sure as the director, you're like devastated and you're like, my vision is not there. And like, as an audience member, a lot of times you're also like, well, if you're not satisfied with what you got, you're like, I want to fucking know what we could have had. Like, it could have been so mm-hmm. much better. On the flip side of that, sometimes there is times where I'm like, now why wasn't somebody stepping in and telling them no? Like, sometimes I'm like, where were the producers? Yeah. Where was the studio being like, cut the cameras, bitch. We're not doing all that. So... It is necessary, but it's it's one of those things where I think it's just, like, sometimes it's just, like, the luck mm-hmm. of the draw, like, getting the right people to work on this right project at the right time to have it all come together, which just proves that, as always, filmmaking is a team sport. It is not a, you know, one woman or one man USO. Like, it all has to come together. I am actually surprised, since it seems like the producers had such a heavy hand in it, that there wasn't more, like, nudity or gore or anything because i was just checking and it is rated r but there's very little gore and there's as far as i am please correct me if i'm wrong i don't think there's any nudity um, i don't remember which you know i'm obviously not complaining about but i'm curious just in general if like that has something to do with the fact that the producers had so much control because maybe if he was a director who worked frequently with like nudity it would be something he wanted to add to it so maybe this is actually for the best, but it just seems like if you're going to make a rated R film, you you can go pretty hard. I, yeah, I just feel like, like, at least on Letterboxd, like, the tagline for this movie is, should old acquaintances be forgotten or just brutally murdered? Which, what a fun line. But, like, once again, I was oh, yeah. like, whoa. And it, bloody New Year. Like, blood is in the title. I was like, we are about exactly. to see some carnage, some crazy – even if it's, like, silly carnage. I'm like, fuck yeah. And I just feel like I was left wanting a lot more on that front. Yeah, there's definitely some moments of gore here and there. But there's also a few moments where, like, oh, this is the opportunity to be really graphic. And then they cut away and they don't show anything. Yeah. It's just a little bit disappointing. Let's get into um, the meat of the movie, which some ways that I'd love to start and do it chronologically is the fun fair situation because in general, I love that set piece. Love when we're at like a fair or whatever. I think we've also talked about, why can I not think of the name? Oh, um, Toby Hooper's Fun House, um, which is a movie. I'm sorry to upset anybody. Uh, I've only seen it one time. Maybe I'd feel different if I rewatched it at some point, but it was not for me when I watched it. I felt I felt disappointed somewhat because I wanted more utilization of like the full like fun house and the whole fair and like 
that's because it just feels like such perfect breeding ground for like creepy shit which like we don't really get any creepy shit here and i didn't expect to it was like broad fucking daylight and i knew that like the movie takes place at the Mm -hmm. hotel but in general love seeing it but something i made note of was that goddamn ship ride (gasps) me too i almost brought it up during your your fun facts i in general as i've gotten older have gotten more anxiety over like amusement park rides and the last time Mm -hmm. i went to an amusement park with greg there's the ship ride that i used to always go on that like goes high but obviously it doesn't go over and i had like a panic attack thinking about going on it and i was like yeah i think i'm over that place in my life where i can go on these like ship rides bitch this one went 360 it went all the way around i I freaked out i did not like it I have never in my life seen one of those. And things like, I've never seen one of those at like a staple amusement park. I always saw them at like the fair. Like the oh, state that's even worse because shit. those movies in general. Those are like, like if it's a state fair. Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. Like when they, you, they just set that yeah. shit up like an hour ago. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, let me put my light, my fucking trust in that shit. Um, but I have been on one, I think one time. And it was one of those ship rides. And it would, the most it would do, it was kind of, it would kind of get like 90 yeah. degrees. So it would be like, it would be like, work up, and then you'd be like, you'd be where you'd be like staring straight mm-hmm. fucking down, like down at the ground. Three, yes, I thought I was losing my mind. I was like, wait, 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 did that just go all the way around? How? I mean, I guess it was more caged in than a normal ride, but I'm like, y'all gotta be like fully like belted, belted into that shit. Because like, there's no way no one doesn't fall fucking out of that. Because yeah, the like, all the ship rides I've ever been on are open. So, you know, you're like, your arms are hanging loose and yeah. you're like, you know, the wind is in your face. I think this was completely enclosed where it kind of was like they were like in a full ship, like inside, but no, thank you. In general, I don't fuck with rides that go upside down because I don't like the thought of like two tons of metal at any point in time being physically above my body. It like really freaks me out. And obviously I'm terrified yeah. of it like stopping upside down. Um, so I did not care for that. I would not have been on that ride. I was I was curious if it was a moving carnival for that exact reason before you said it was like a very famous place. Exactly. It's so funny. Um yeah, I don't like upside down either. I remember one time I went to the fair. And here's the thing. I love spinny rides. Like the ride that she gets caught Me too. on. When she's like going like, oh, I'll, I'll be on that shit for hours. I'm like, yeah. I was like, yeah, go faster. I love this. Let's keep going. Oh, my God. Literally, I'm always like, oh, the ones where you can like spin the fucking like handle. I'm like, come on, turn, bitches. Let's go. Like I'm trying to go fast as shit. I remember one time I went to a fair. And they have one of those rides where it's like you sit in it and it's like – I don't know how to describe it. Somebody will know what I'm talking about. But it's like four people and you sit and you have like kind of like the overhead like roller coaster strap in. But your feet are dangling and it raises you up. And usually the ones I've seen before, like they just spin you really fast. It's like you spin in a circle while the whole thing is spinning in a circle. So I'm like, fuck yeah, bitch. Spinning me in the middle of the air, I'll do that for hours. I get on this shit and I was on it. I can't remember if it was like with Bridget or like my cousin, but we get, we get on and they do that, but then they start flipping you upside down. And of course no. we're mid ride. And I literally, like you feel like the fear of God strike your soul. I was just like, I, I can't even describe the feeling I had. It was like simultaneous like betrayal and like pure fear <laughs> and like tears running down my face. And I literally was just like, I'm closing my eyes and just like holding my breath. Like I can't even be alive in this moment. It was the worst thing ever. I hated that. So I, no, no ship ride for me. Um, I would definitely be on the spinny cups. 
with, like this American tourist. Um, I'm stressed oh. out by that. I've never been on an upside down thing ever. And like, I would watch something go like multiple times to make sure it didn't actually go upside down anywhere because yeah. the panic would be too deep in me. <gasps> yeah. But no, when she was getting uh, harassed by these men, she was freaking out. Obviously, she was not having a good time, but I was like, wish I was that. Wish, wish I were her in this moment because this is great. Spin me. I don't I have mean, to do any of the work and I get to have all no, the fun. Literally. Don't talk to me, but like if you want to just latch yourself onto my cup right. and like spin me faster, like go for it. But what I will say also at this moment, I mean, and it's what I feel about the whole film, fuck Spud. Thank you. I'm so glad you brought this up. Fuck yes. him. He's just watching. Dude, let me tell you. First and foremost, like fucking so annoying because the first time we fucking see him, he's on the beach and that's like two couples and then like Spud who's like, I want a girlfriend or like whatever. <laughs> and like the one couple – because, like, two are in the water. And then the one couple is, like, the girl's laying on her stomach and her boyfriend is, like, putting suntan lotion on her. And, like, Spud reaches over, like, toward her, like, ass cheek to, like, help mm-hmm. spread the suntan lotion. And her boyfriend is, like, fuck off. And then he's, like, Spud's, like, me, 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 me. What the fuck do you I'm mean? I'm pretty sure Don't he's, like, her. oi. He's, like, oi, get your own girl. Oh, no, that was good. That was great accent work. Oh, I so get much. your bloody mix off oi. me, gal. Um, <laughs> I just wish it was all Jason Statham in this film. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> That's my really bad Jason Statham. Um, that was amazing. But, <laughs> but no, specifically about this scene, because yeah, he sees this girl. He's not on the ride. Like, and at first, I, and this is what you're talking about earlier, where like because these people are so like it's just a bunch of fucking white teens that are like so indiscriminate quote unquote teens literally um that like at first i was like so is this one of the group we've already seen that he's like waiting for her to get off the ride no it's like this american girl that they're meeting for the first time and you're like okay regardless he sees this girl is like in distress he he very much there it's not like he's like are they her friends? No, he knows she's in distress. And this pussy doesn't do shit until his two other friends show up. And then he's like, hey, get a load of this. And then it's his other friends that are like, we, we got to do something. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet he's the one that like ends up with the American girl for a period of time. And I'm like, you're a fucking loser, bro. Fuck you. Yeah, I clocked the same thing because he watches her go like – three rotations of screaming like help me please help me and he's just like staring at her being like huh literally interesting and then it's not until they come over and it, like he says like oh get a load of this and then the other friends react and then you can like see him look at them like oh yeah 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 yeah. we should we should totally do something like it never kind of came to his mind before that they should fucking help this woman yeah, and then the audacity of him to be like, oh, well, now I have a single girl here, so uh, obviously she's going to be mine, even though I can't be bothered to help her out when she's being fucking harassed. It's literally oh, his it's... other friend that, like, goes under the ride and has, like, the forethought to, like, be like, I'm going to rip out, like, the whatever the mm-hmm. hell it is, like, the converter or whatever the fuck thing they need. Um, which then, like, yeah, like, tonally sometimes, too, I know it's supposed to be a horror comedy, but, like, it was just, like – pretty pretty goofy stuff like it just feels like a funny summer teen comedy because it's like then like this whole thing happens where like they're like running away with the converter and they're being chased which obviously like leads Mm -hmm. to all the other stuff of like getting on the boat blah blah blah. but what also was weird is like they do not at any point really 
because it's like the two guys hooligans harassing her and then it's the ride operator who's not doing anything until he sees like oh a fight has broken out on the ride and he like runs over and like he's just kind of seemingly trying to break up the fight like you can't even at that point be like he's picking a side like and then the power thing gets ripped off but then it's like so so but like then it's like so unclear for a while because i'm like okay i'm under the impression that this guy's just doing his job like this guy is just like i don't know like so he's like give me my thing back so i can do my ride well then you're supposed to i guess discern that like he's the dad of the two hooligans and they're like a trio and they're all chasing him because then they come back later and i was just like when would we have figured that out you are like pulling everything in my brain (laughs) out before I can like every single thing you're bringing up I'm like yeah it's exactly what I wanted to say because I was <laughs> so confused as to who this man was and why he was coming to the island later I had to go back and be like was he a third guy and then the operator was a different person I was so deeply confused and because the character's name is literally dad I was like well he's obviously the yeah. father of them and literally when I went back there is like one moment where we like cut inside to like the little office he's sitting in in the middle of the ride and he's looking out the window actively watching them like bully her and he's like laughing to himself and smiling and I guess that's the moment that's supposed to tell us like he's allowing this to happen he's like in on it it's it's very strange um absolutely no context I also don't know if those men like ever say a word the whole film I don't recall. I think, like, the two hooligans are saying things to her when they're spinning the ride, but then, like, I don't even, I don't think the ride operator ever says anything. He's fucking dead silent the whole time. I think, in general, it's a very minimal script, because I feel like so much of the dialogue is literally just, like, them saying action things of, like, what was that noise? We have to get the power on. And I'm like, there's, like, absolutely no personality or, like, relationship dynamics being established like anywhere here it's just the only person that has like a distinct characteristic is leslie who's always trying to fuck her boyfriend who for some reason doesn't seem like he wants to fuck her but like is kind of infatuated with rick there's a little bit of interesting subtext Mm. there but like that's about it overall it's it's not a great script what i will say though is dad played by steve emerson um was the stunt coordinator for this film and for um last night in soho um and to keep on oh, the Edgar Wright train, okay. he also um, was in Shaun of the Dead. I believe he was the bar owner of the Winchester. That's cool. Um, okay. So just a little extra fun fact for you. but Yeah, I don't think I really knew anyone from the cast from anything else. So that's cool. Um, but, yeah, and then to, to jump ahead, unless there was something else you want to say. Um, no, no, go ahead. They when they get to the hotel, and then for like the first, I feel like a portion of time they're at the hotel. Something else that needs to be mentioned is like how fucking utterly stupid they are in such a specific way. I feel like because it's like they make note of things like, oh, it's weird that it's decorated for the holidays and blah, 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 blah. like, but like things happen and their reactions to them are just like giving nothing and i'm like hello like <laughs> bitch i yet I again you're it. pulling <laughs> it's it's i'm kind of like freaked out by how deeply you are in my skull right now because that was gonna be my review on letterbox just like yes give us nothing they throughout the entire yeah. film, 
Well, listen, I will say that I think Leslie does too much. Like the scene where she gets caught up in the ropes doing too much. Oh my God. You're just lying on the ground covered in a net and you are like. You had hooks falling into her skin. Yeah, but she, it went on for like a really long time. I was like, you're doing too much. Yeah. I would say the only person who reacted appropriately anytime was Janet and every other person was giving nothing. Like the scene when Rick and, oh no, actually, is it Janet? Maybe Janet's not giving enough for me either. I think it's Rick and Janet where they're like outside and they hear all like the voices talking and they don't see any people and then they see like the footprints being imprinted on the sand. They're literally just like Mm. standing there staring and I'm like, I'm sorry, where is the urgency? Where is the fear? There's no one is giving me any anything and no emotion whatsoever. It's insane. Yeah. It it feels like they're being like they're like acting on like a huge Marvel green screen where everything oh, is gosh. gonna be like put in and post and they just simply don't know how to like effectively react to the things that are gonna be in the scene with them. Right. But right, it's like right, right. you it's just the concept that is scary. So, like, just do better. Right. You're giving nothing. I think there was a scene, oh. and I can't remember which one of the fucking guys it is now. I feel like it was Spud, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, like, early on, like, when they get there and they fucking split up. Because it's, like, they split up. And what's her name? The American girl, like, is, has started a fire. She sees a maid that's an apparition. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, she doesn't know it's a ghost. She's like, oh, there's people working in the hotel. Like, right. that was fine. I was like, okay, great. And, like, the maid obviously says something ominous where she's like, oh, like, your friends are being are going to be taken care of or whatever. It's like, okay, great. Then they have, like, the couple upstairs. And, like, there's the apparition of the ghost in the mirror that she sees. Y'all are going to have to forgive me because, mm-hmm. as I said, these people are fucking cookie cutters in my eyes. Like, I can't remember a single fucking name. Um if you want me to give you I know I know all the names. I like studied it. So if you need any point, I'll toss it out. <laughs> I prepped for the exam. For today, and then I'll forget them all forever. Right. You never need them after this. Um, but Spud, I believe it is, he like goes into like the dance hall or the ballroom, or whatever, and on the stage there's like a fucking ghost <laughs> band playing. That's there and then playing a bop. Suddenly literally and then is not there anymore and then he's just like oh like that was weird what do you mean that was weird (laughs) what yeah they really fade away and he's like oh oh, okay and then just like goes on back to carol oh my god like wouldn't it be nice to just live life so fucking easy breezy that you're just not affected by anything i guess that's the life of a man named spud you know I guess. The one thing that really kills me, this is so specific, is a little later down the line, they're like, they're going to turn the power back on or whatever. And they they finally do it. And there's this whole moment on the fucking staircase where like a vacuum cleaner attacks them. They're like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh. And there is a wire to the vacuum cleaner. So presumably it was plugged in. So like, oh, it's because the power went back on. But meanwhile, they're down at the front desk because it's like the staircase. And then Leslie and whoever her fucking blonde boyfriend are, are like down at the front desk because they're the ones that- um, Tom, put the fucking power back on. You're like, oh, huh, huh. like it's because the power went back on. There's a, and they're saying this because there is a Santa fucking doll on the counter that has like a little bell. It's like jingle, 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 jingle. That Santa ain't plugged into shit. So my thing immediately <laughs> was, I was like, hello, like how does the power going back on affect that? Like it, it was so bizarre to me. I was like, once again, like. We're not using critical thinking. 
How, mm-hmm. Please wake up. There was also a moment earlier when they're first getting on the island and they're trying to find, well, they're like walking before they find the resort and they stumble upon like an animal skull. And uh, yeah. Tom is like, oh, this must be a horse or a cow. And I'm like, dude, that's like the size of your head. That is not a big skull. Like what horses <gasps> and cows are you interacting with in the UK? Because this is a tiny ass fucking skull. So many things like that. What are you doing? So stupid. Um, but I will say then, a little later, I mean, the love of this place has a little cinema in it. We're obviously cinema lovers. I did love um, that. But I feel that that Spud, literally when I made the note, I feel like that I was like, yo, fuck Spud. Is like literally like when Spud died <laughs> because he's just like annoying me up to this point. And then when he's like getting up and like doing like, I'm going to be a ham in front of the screen. And it's like, ooh, like I-, I can do that too. I can do that too. And like hula hooping. I was just like, shut up and sit down. Nobody wants to hear you talk. And then he's like immediately like killed. This scene was so funny to me because one, I feel like he got his comeuppance for standing and watching um, what's-her-name get harassed because yeah. and doing nothing because literally this ghost comes out of the screen and attacks him. And, like, when it comes out of the screen, everyone gets up out of their seat and they're like, oh, my God, and they run over to him. But then they all just stand at his feet and watch as he's attacked and make <laughs> no move to help him. And I was just like, um, okay. Um, and then he dies from a scratch on his face, question mark? Yeah, obviously. Uh, ghost scratches from cinema screens are fatal. Those things will get infected like crazy. Yeah, and like everything he's saying when he's up in front of the screen, I'm like, where are the jokes? If you're going to be heckling and being a clown, be funny. So about that scratch, Spud never comes back again as a zombie, right? If he does, I don't remember him. Because I'm wondering what, the, what logic there is. Because when Leslie's killed... She's, like, instantaneously oh turned into a zombie. In the way of, like, the first time I, I, like, watched that scene, I was like, I'm sorry, are you saying that she is, like, she was, like, I don't know. My brain was like, was she already a zombie? And then this is, like, just revealing her true That's form as I a thought. zombie. Because it happens so fast. And then, obviously, Tom later, like, I'm assuming as he's died from his also scratch injury, um turns into a zombie so it's strange to me that they would and spud would not yeah the 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 logic in the movie is not present but that should be stated first and foremost (laughs) because yeah the second like up until that point i was just kind of like okay we're taking a long time to get to some really good stuff like i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting and then yeah the lesson moment which we will definitely talk about i'm sure also like in the q and slay um that happened and I was like okay so there's no logic because what the fuck because I thought the same thing I was like so because there's a weird scene prior to that which is like Scooby-Doo ass seaweed monster fucking out of the table yes in like a fucking cabin or some shit and attacks Leslie and Tom like and I'm like okay so she's gonna die like there's some crazy shit no Tom gets like a spear and like is like poke get out of here get out of here he like kills the seaweed monster but also a strange so many strange cuts in this movie we didn't even bring this up at the beginning of the movie girl oh my god at the beginning of the fucking movie when it's like the flashback of like 1959 or whatever and it finally cuts to color and it's like oh it's the end of the fucking new year's party everyone like has left there's one woman who's looking at herself in the mirror and then 
it's like a ice fucking half second if a second cut because it's like she's looking at the mirror and then she gets pulled into the mirror and she screams but the scream is ah and then it just cuts and, it was just, and then it goes to like okay modern day and we're like i'm sorry what was i supposed to gather happened there yeah and i also want to bring up in the scene with rick and janet when they're running from the disembodied voices there is the same shot of the camera moving like Evil Dead style towards them where they separate and then the camera runs through them into the woods. They do the same shot three times in a row. And then the fourth time it's from a different angle. And I'm like, what is this? Why are we doing this? What is happening? It was bizarre. It was so fucking weird. Oh my God. But the thing I was going to bring up that made me think of the cut thing is after fucking Tom has like poked the seaweed fucking motherfucker to death and he goes back into the table and you're like, okay, I guess that's over with another fucking crazy cut because Tom's just standing there and then we don't see anything. And I shit you not. It's something like this. It's Lee Tom standing there with the spear. And then he goes, ah, because from behind, he's presumably like (laughs) hit by something. We don't see what it is. We don't see who it is. And we cut away from them for a long ass time. So then I was like, so what happened? So then when we do see Leslie again, and she meets her fucking demise, which I'm literally restraining myself from saying what it is until later. um, So we get the full, I can really fucking talk about it. Um, And then she dies instantly. And then is immediately a zombie. I was like, okay, so she died in that scene with Tom earlier. And we didn't see it. And we're okay, just being that's... tricked and it's like mm-hmm. she's been a ghost the whole time. But like from what I'm understanding from the things I was then reading and watching after this movie, yeah. that's not the case. We're supposed to understand that Leslie died instantaneously in that moment and became a zombie. It kind of reminds me of like demons a little bit where like how if you get like the scratch then you like mm. become the like disgusting green demons. But there's just no explanation. There's nothing that happens beforehand that like would make – you like put those two things together and it's not really like that consistent i mean by the end of the film pretty much everyone has come back as a zombie so maybe spud does come back near the end when it's just kind of like the group of them are all zombies yeah. um and i'm just not remembering but it's it's just a just strange strange thing to happen because like are they ghosts are they zombies what's the difference um are they're just stuck in a time warp but it doesn't really make a lot of um, sense. Oh, Kruger has decided to attack a plastic bag. Hold on. It also, bringing up demons was a great comparison. It also reminded me of uh, House, the Japanese film. Mm-hmm. In the sense, I mean, mm-hmm. in my opinion, House is a much better movie. Um, House But, um, yes. But because of the sense of, like, being in the one location, like the big house and house and the... Um, hotel here but it's kind of like that thing mm-hmm. where it's like kind of like wacky shit is going i mean house is so much better that's beside the point but um like kind of wacky shit is going on and a lot of times it feels like unclear it's like the rules are not are, are a little hard to follow of like okay and then like at mm-hmm. all randomly it's like okay this person's dead now this person's dead and they're they're coming back and you're like oh okay sure whatever you say um which made it like i was like yeah. But once again, House has, like, crazy, awesome fucking visuals that at the very least make it, like, great to look at, where this was just kind of, like, mm-hmm. great poster. It's that fucking, um, oh, my God, what is it? Is it Aretha Franklin? I'm going to have to check myself. That, like, quote about Taylor Swift where she was, like, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of like good ideas scattered throughout the film. Like, I really enjoyed the sequence where Carol goes into the house following the maid, and then she's kind of just like inadvertently trapped in a real life snow globe situation because she's oh, yeah. stuck in this house with this like insane wind whipping around with all this snow going everywhere and you don't really understand what's happening it's like she's caught in less snowstorms of some kind and then when she finally like it's not even like she leaves she like wakes up and i guess it was a vision or something and then it shows us <laughs> the weirdest saddest little snow globe with like a huge doll shoved inside of it and you're like yeah okay that was her in the snow globe which i'm like cool idea i don't know that you really executed it as best that you probably could have but like i, I like what we're doing here that's mm-hmm. an interesting little moment so like things like that i'm like i see i see the the inspiration here i see what you're going for but it took a really long time to get to those little moments and they were so few and far between yeah it's it's one of those things it's one of those movies i feel like it happens a good amount where it's like yeah the 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 ideas are possibly there but they're not executed well and unfortunately all it does is it calls to mind like better movies like demons house there's a fucking i think inadvertently like an element of like the shining here that makes you think of that too yeah. like um especially the whole like oh and we're all gonna become the party guests at the end like it's so the shining um right where like you're just like okay well i do wish that they leaned more into the holiday and really like yes. taking advantage of all the things that they could have done with new year's eve i feel like we've talked about this with the like the slime ball uh oh my god I can't think of the title now. You know, the Slime Ball Bolorama. Sorority Babes, thank you. And the Slime Bolorama. Like, they fully utilize the bowling alley as a set. And I feel like Chopping Mall uses the mall in a really great way as the set. Um, You know, Splinter uses the gas station great. Like, I respect when it's a, a clear, distinct setting or, like, time of year. And you take that and like run with it but i feel like aside from the decorations and the fact that there was a party happening what in this movie is new year's eve like it could just be any other day yeah. really or any kind well, of festivity because like it's also like taking place being filmed and in the movie supposed to be taking place like in like the summer that you're just like right. Yeah, like, I need to, like, I wish they showed, like, they do a lot of the gags, I feel like, with, like, the footprints, or, like, oh, this butt is sitting on this bed, so the bed's, like, lowering down. Ghost butt <laughs> Um, Where I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. But at the same time, I'm just like, I wish we saw more of the ghosts, or, like, had more of, like, I don't know, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, a, like a, a haunting of Hill House situation where it's, like, people talking to the ghosts and being, like, oh, God. And, like, more of that shit where they're, like, guys, there are more people here. Like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they all see them at different times mm-hmm. so they can't, like, you know, come together to realize right away that, like, oh, we're not actually seeing these people or, like, they're ghosts or whatever. It's just, like, a lot of, like, yeah, like, random monsters. Like, the, the fucking dude coming – even the dude coming out of the fucking TV – not TV, excuse me. The movie screen. Like mm-hmm. – it's bizarre because it's like it's also just like because what they reveal the whole thing is like yeah like there was because like at one point when the power goes back on the tv starts playing like a news broadcast and it's the whole like revealing that like there had been some like government testing because they wanted to turn like a plane or some shit invisible but it was going to be over the resort and of Mm -hmm. course well something went wrong and like whatever the reaction was was it trapped these people in a permanent time loop fine 
I don't understand then why the fuck there are seaweed monsters. I don't understand like what like what why are there zombies? Yes. Why are there yes. zombies? Um, it's so true. And I wish that they I think it's kind of boring how it essentially they these people didn't die then, I guess, if they're stuck in a time loop. Like they they didn't like what happened to them? I feel like it would have been more interesting if there was something that happened that like killed them all in like you know morbid ways and then we got like all these like scary ghosts who've like died in like specific like i feel like ghost ship kind of you know how like they were all like slaughtered by the fucking like wire something like that where like i can then get cool ghosts and like that's where you can thrive with like your practical effects and stuff but it was just oh well they all kind of disappeared and I here's here's my fucking pitch for the for the remake. Everybody, everybody write this down. Is that okay. whatever you have a real it. stupid ass fucking opening, it doesn't matter. When they get to this motherfucking hotel, middle of the day, they can have the fucking decorations. Because they literally say, like, oh, these decorations look brand new. So it's not even like the decorations like look ratty and fucking old. They're right. looking great. Um they get there, they still have the whole like, oh, like nobody's here, it seems, blah blah. Well, we're gonna stay the night because we have nothing else to do. They, it's nighttime, all of a sudden downstairs in, like, the lobby area, whatever. They're like, we hear something. What the fuck is that? They go down. There's a New Year's party bustling. And they're like, hey, what the heck? And everybody at the party is nice and seems normal, but, like, also, like, weirdly 50s attire. And they're like, oh, whatever. Maybe it's, like, a theme thing, whatever the fuck. And they're, like, hanging out. But then, like, as the night goes on, like, they're realizing weird shit and blah, blah, blah. And when they want to leave or they're asking about stuff, like, then they start getting the clues of, like, something else is going on here. And then, obviously, you have these ghosts or whatever the fuck they want to be that have been trapped in this time loop that they can't leave. So I'm sure that there's, like, a little bit of resentment there where they're like, oh, you think you can leave? No, you're stuck here, too. Then you can have them slaughtered and blah, blah, blah and do all that stuff. But it's just, like, the fact that we never really got, like, a, an actual, like, moment to live and experience, like, the big New Year's party it was like literally like montage clips at the opening and that was it um and then like yeah like and then it's just like a bunch of like broad daylight kills by like random means and like no logic it is just kind of like telling me that these people are going to a fucking big ass empty hotel that's still celebrating like this new year's party that's prime real estate literally do the shining shit where like oh it's middle of the night and jack's by himself suddenly he's at the big fucking party and like there's a bar like I don't care, but I'll eat it up. Give it to me. So I just think they like, yeah, it was confused. It was very confused. Yeah, I a thousand percent agree. And I also think on top of that, like they make such a big point because it's, there's two different full scenes dedicated to the pilot of the plane that crashed because presumably whatever they did to the plane to try to make it invisible that then caused the time loop also caused the plane to crash and you see the the pilot ghost a few times but you don't do anything with him like they never really there's no conclusion to it he's just kind of there and you're like oh dead pilot like i want so much more there was so much potential to be had and it just kind of felt like they went with the, the first thing that came to their mind and didn't really dig any deeper than that um, well, on that note, I think to get into some of the final things we would both like to talk about, let's move into everybody's favorite part, the Q and Slay. The girls who cried be I want to ask you the first question this time because you seemed very excited to discuss a certain kill. So I'm going to assume it's your favorite 
kill-in effects are. If you can hear my dog squeaking toys heavily in That's the background. That's actually me screaming um, about how what? excited I am to talk about this kill. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with it. My favorite kill is Leslie, which at first I didn't even have a straight as my favorite kill because upon first viewing, I was like, well, it's not the kill. She's not actually being killed. She was already killed off screen. Which we then learned was not the case. I was like, oh, then run it back. This is my favorite kill. Because they have met up with – it's like fucking – I can't remember their names. It's the other goddamn couple. Um, Rick and Janet. Rick and Janet. Um, they have met up with Leslie again. and But so the boys, the hooligans and dad have also made it to the island because they have a boat. And they're like after – I don't know. At this point, I'm like, are you still after like whatever power converter thing is you need? Or is it just like on principle you're going to beat their yeah. ass? Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so they have followed them through. And they're like go back into like the little like hut area that Leslie had originally gotten attacked by the net in. Um and they're fighting, mm-hmm. they're fighting, they're fighting. And all of a sudden, like, whatever. And then Leslie steps in front of dad. And it is so quick and batshit. And you're just like, it's, I, I have to, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'll just say what it is. He literally full force <laughs> with his fucking closed fist punches her in the stomach. Which in general, whoa. She is a small woman and he is like this big fucking burly guy. Like, punching her in the stomach and she didn't do anything. She's literally just – she's not even fighting him at that point. Mm-hmm. She's just, like, standing in front of him. And he's like, and you're going to get some too. And then punches her in the stomach. But his fist, like she's fucking warm butter, goes straight through mm-hmm. her. Like, belly, belly button to fucking yeah. spine. Um, all the way through. And then in a split second cut as well, it cuts back to her face while his arm is still in her stomach, I'm pretty sure. She's suddenly a zombie. She looks like she has plaster caked and dried on on the side of her face. That's how they've decided to zombify her. Um, I don't know what it means. Um, but, um, like, I don't understand the logic, which is why I was like, oh, like, yeah. she must have gotten killed off screen and something happened to her face when she was killed, which is why, um, like, she, um, like... Like, is it her face was burned? Like, it's so unclear to me. Well, because her face also looks like how the pilot's face looks. And mm. so I would assume that those were burns. But I guess that's just zombie. Uh, yeah, I guess. Unclear. But uh, that aside, and then, like, she, like, you know, beats the shit out of dad and, like, kills him or whatever because um, she's a zombie. But that, like, it was so bizarre because then because one originally operating on the logic that, like, she's been a zombie the whole time, I was like, okay, but, like, is she going to be their zombie ally? But then she immediately turns no. on them. And I was like, so I'm confused why she hadn't killed them earlier if she was a zombie. But it's because, as we then concluded, she instantly turned into a zombie so you know what i'm gonna give them props for um doing a full through the body usually i prefer like straight through the skull punch like through the front of the face out the back of the skull is my favorite but i'll take through the stomach love that always and i love that they were just ballsy enough to be like and fuck it she's dead and now she's a zombie with like she didn't even drop to the floor she didn't even blink an eye and it's happened so i love that it was a really sudden and unexpected uh kill for sure you know, I didn't expect him to turn on her that aggressively. I didn't expect that he would be powerful enough to go through her entire body with not an ounce of blood dripping off of his fist. 
as it protruded through her body. Um, and I certainly didn't expect to then look back up at her face and see that she was covered in like shaving cream and now was a zombie. Yeah. But you know, all of those things happened and I'm, you know, I'm here for the ride. It's, yeah, it was fascinating. And I also want to mention how insane her hair looks as well. Because she goes from just having, like, normal, like, kind of short blonde hair, and then she becomes a zombie, and it's, like, spiked up crazy on one side, like, very punk rock, and I loved it. Yeah. It was honestly a good look for her. Um, <clears throat> my favorite kill is the entire sequence with the elevator, where Janet is running from Tom, because Tom has turned into a zombie, and Janet is alone with him, so she's freaking out running away trying to escape from him and she goes into the like 1950s elevator which just in general immediately got my attention because it reminds me of titanic and i love those like great door elevators i think they look so cool Mm -hmm. and she's getting in there and first we get like one of our only moments of real gore because as she's getting the elevator to start his arm gets caught and rips off and we get to see a nice bloody little stump as he dies on the floor But then what's really great about this is now she's trapped in this elevator and she pushes a button and it like becomes like a gummy texture. Like Mm -hmm. it just, her finger goes right into it. And I liked that. And then there is a like Freddy Krueger type in Nightmare on Elm Street where he's like the figures coming through the wall. Um, Yeah. What's the, which Romero film does that? Um, Day of the Dead? I think it's Day of the Dead. We're like, or I guess that's just the hands come through the, the wall. Never mind. That's about to say. Yeah, we're talking um, about the hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a figure kind of like comes through the wall. The wall becomes like this like latex type like uh, material it looks like. And it grabs her and she becomes one with the wall. And as the elevator comes back down, her boyfriend Rick sees her like – her like her boob shape and like her nose and like yeah. the shapes of her face just slowly like morph back into the wall and I thought that was really creative and well done and yeah. spooky and I was like yeah great I want more moments like this this was great I had that marked down too I originally also thought that like after uh Spud got killed because it's like Spud gets killed the ghost flies up like <laughs> crazy yeah and like presumably shoots back into the projector uh, and then I be- I don't is it no it's not Tom who's the fuck was in the projection booth Rick what? um Rick, like, then, like, the, the fucking unspooled film that's come undone, like, wraps him up and, like, pulls him down. And for a split second, I was like, yeah. oh, fuck, yeah. We're going to get a projection room death with the fucking, like, film. And, like, nothing happens. He's just, like, kind of tripped up by it. And then, like, that's that. So that was disappointing. But it, it was a contender for I was like, well, early on, I was like, maybe there'll be nothing else, sadly. And that have to be my, you know, my practical effect um, poll. But now we got the – we got some great stuff later Similarly, on. Similarly – Similarly with Rick, I also think that his actual death was a contender until it wasn't because he has the quintessential quicksand death, which, you know, I think both of us Mm. growing up probably thought quicksand was going to be like a really big thing that we had to worry about in our adult lives. I certainly did. And so whenever I see quicksand utilized, I, it like really freaks me out and I enjoy that. But not only is he getting sucked in by quicksand, then it's that thing of like, well, he's, he's stuck at a certain point where he his chest and arms are covered and he can't move and dad zombie comes up with like a motor, like a boat motor and like fucking turns it on and goes hard on his face, which again, if you had 
the ability, maybe the budget and the time to make that effect and show us this man trapped in quicksand getting his face razored off by this boat motor, that would have been really fucking cool. But unfortunately, they cut away and you don't see anything. Rats. To move on, what is your favorite quote or line of dialogue from this movie? This was hard because... Like I said earlier, I don't think that the script was particularly strong in terms of dialogue. I think a lot of the lines mm-hmm. were kind of just like action points to like move the plot forward. Um, and the few like jokey lines kind of like annoyed me. I was like, it's just misogyny. It's not funny. Um, so I wrote two down just in case that you had one of them. I'm trying to decide which one I actually like better. Um, there's a line pretty early on when they're on the boat going to well i guess they're just on a boat they're not really planning on like going anywhere um and carol says i'm really glad to be here my friends don't get in till tomorrow and janet goes well you've made spud's day his friends never get here at all and i enjoyed the little ribbing on spud because he fucking deserves it fucking loser a fucking loser um my favorite line is a Leslie line. Um, she It's when she's come to – since she asked Tom to fuck. Oh, yes. He's not going to do it. And I was like, what did she say? Because he comes, she comes in and he's like in the pool hall playing pool or trying to play pool. And she comes in she like leans over the table. She's like, I wonder what it's like doing it on a snooker table. And I was like, what the fuck is a snooker table? <laughs> oh, you didn't know what a snooker table was? I do now, but I was like, I was like a snooker table. I hate that, (laughs) but I also love it. Um, But I kind of just love that, like it, it, it does the reverse. I feel like of usually it's like the guy being like, "Come on, babe, we're all alone here. Let's get it on." And she's like, "No." And this time it's Leslie being like, "What if we fucked on the pool table?" And he's like, "Leslie, stop. We have to get the electricity back on." so loved yeah, it. He wants nothing to do with her, and I don't really know why. Because then later she's like, we could be upstairs all cozy. And he's like, no, we need to hang out with Rick. And she's like, oh, fucking Rick. Because he's gay for he Rick, is. I, know. I wish we could get deeper into that. <sighs> I wish they delve into that relationship. That's also going to happen in the remake that okay, I pitched. Perfect. The Rick and Tom relationship. Um, I feel like we have more characters in this film than we typically do. So you have quite a a few to choose from. Um, who's your partner in crime? Oh, good, Leslie. Okay. I like that she is a girl that, you know, is in touch with her sexuality, knows what she wants, she wants to fuck on a pool table. And I like, honestly, that when she got punched in the stomach <laughs> and came back a zombie, that's instantly when I was like, yeah, that's just badass. Like, I know she doesn't have any, like, control over it, but, like, I kind of just love that she's like, ah! like i'm a fucking zombie now um yeah i mean to be fair there's a lot of characters that i feel like there is very little personality to go around so i'm just like i mean it's not like picking any of these people is going to help me survive um like they're all getting it in the end um so i'm gonna go leslie my girl les beautiful um yeah i mean like you said none of them really have great personalities or distinct personalities i went with janet because of all of them she gave me the most genuine reactions in terms of like her acting i just thought i just felt 
like she was doing the best of the bunch of like actually responding in the way that I feel like I would respond and feels natural whereas everybody else was either like doing too much or doing absolutely nothing at all and I'm like are you even do you realize that you're on set right now so I I just appreciated her energy of all of them and she was really pretty so why not we're all gonna be stuck here forever I guess I should be with the prettiest girl so true girl yeah but when you're with the prettiest girl she's no longer the prettiest girl oh oh my god wow (laughs) (laughs) um well i guess we move on to now the ogs which i guess i will kick it off um can you hear the hammering sure can ceiling so fucking loud Mm -hmm. i want to be in all this fucking audio um so my og is in this movie obviously these people end up stuck in what we can call haunted it's unclear of like what the actual terminology they call it a time whatever it is it's bizarre mm-hmm. we'll say haunted they get stuck in a haunted ha- hell jesus a haunted hotel mm-hmm. for new year's so if you had to be stuck somewhere uh, a location uh, a haunted location for a new year's eve celebration where would you want it to be so do you remember how earlier i was saying how you were just pulling thoughts out of my brain. Was that your fucking question? No, but God? my question is incredibly similar, but the actual like answer part is going to be different. So it worked out really okay. beautifully, but like you guys, as you were, were going, I was there. like, oh shit, do I have to think of a new question? Um, okay, where would I want to be stuck if I was going to celebrate New Year's somewhere that's haunted? Um, I would want to go somewhere that is like – This is a very specific example, so I'll try to be more broad about it so the people who do not live in this specific region know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to describe Kimball Farms, which is basically a big farm where you get to go and you can, like, pick apples or mini golf or play, like, bumper cars in the water, but they also have, like, animal stuff and like ice cream and like farm things it's just like a very cool big experience i'm sure like i want to go somewhere that like maybe at halloween would have like a halloween spooky stuff maybe there's like decorations in the back i can pull out um just like a Mm. big fun outdoorsy kind of place with activities and good like caramel apple type treats I love that you're still in like the Halloween mindset, even though you'd be presumably there to sell. No, there's always a caramel apples at a farm, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm right, just decided. Right, right, right. But it would be like, yeah, I'm sure it would be even more like the maybe the water would be frozen over and there'd be like ice skating. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Um to go slightly off your ice skating thing, I would love to be trapped in a haunted roller rink. Oh, yeah, year. that's fun. Um, I just feel like we can play once again with like the old timey aesthetic. Um, you know, I guess if it's taking place in modern day for me, you know, it's decorated for like a 1980s like New Year celebration, a dream, a dream. Um, you know, the ghosts that have been trapped there of all the old roller girls and guys. Like, I just feel like, what a dream! What a dream! I love a good. It would be very vibrant and like. Exactly. 80s pop. I love it. Um, Well, similarly, if (laughs) – so these teens are trapped at a haunted resort for New Year's Eve. It's decorated for New Year's Eve. That is the theme. That is the party. Obviously, if we could pick our holiday, 
I know both of us would want to be stuck in a Halloween-themed resort. So, what would be the holiday that you would least like to be stuck in? If I was at a resort? You're at a resort for eternity because you're in a fucking time loop and every day is this holiday. Which holiday would you be like, at least not that one, please? There's like so many holidays I can get like so specific. I can be like flag day. (laughs) Um, You have to give a, a valid reason. How? Why would, would they be celebrating for Flag Day? Why would there be parties and decorations for Flag Day? I don't know. It's a, it's a bunch of fucking veterans, girl. <laughs> I'm stuck there with a bunch of vets. Um, not ideal. Um, but, oh, my God. I'm like, I can think of reasons for all of them being like, no, don't want to. <laughs> and then I'm also like, what are the holidays? What's um, a holiday? I don't know, like probably like St. Patrick's Day. That's a good answer. That was one I considered. Just because like I – so much green, I, I'm not about mm-hmm. it. I, I, I don't need it. Even though like I, I'm very Irish, um, I don't drink. So there would be it would just be like a bunch of like drunk ghosts I presume and like – also, a lot of times the Irish do not make good food. So if it was like real, like if it was like an all really authentic, like I don't know, like we're ha- all the the catering is Irish specialties. I'd be like, well, I'm gonna go hungry for a turn. Just eating stew forever. Um, literally, fucking Irish soda bread for three thousand years. All you can drink is Guinness. Um, praying they just have like boxes of Lucky Charms in the back <laughs> or some shit. Um. Yeah, I just like it's like and it's like I don't give a shit about St. Patrick's Day, so it'd be like stuck in a holiday where I'm just like I can't even pretend it even like once in a while be like I'll come back around to it. Like cuz if anything else I'm like okay, like cuz I was like I won't get into every holiday. I'm not going to launch you list you like the logic behind this. Um but yeah, I think St. Patrick's Day because I'm like what the fuck would I do with that? That just seems like so boring. Yeah, I agree. That was on my short list, because I'm not somebody who celebrates St. Patrick's Day. Um, I would go with 4th of July, because I personally am not it. someone who cares about the 4th of July. Um, I It's always like barbecue food, which like is fine. I don't like hamburgers, so immediately like I feel like half of the food options are off the table for me. Um, I also feel like the... The people who, like, really love 4th of July, no offense to anybody out there who loves 4th of July. This is not me coming for you. But I feel like the people who love 4th of July are the people who are like, I'm such a proud American. And I don't really want to be stuck with those people for all of eternity. Um, I also think the decorations are gaudy. And I think that fireworks um, make dogs upset. And so I don't care for them. So all around, I I I don't fuck with 4th of July. It's very valid. I also thought about Fourth of July, but I'm pretty good with barbecue foods. So I was like, well, eating wise, I'll be okay. And fireworks, I, even though, like, yes, I presume though, like in this situation, if we we're on like this like haunted resort, like they're probably not gonna. Maybe be I have my dog around, with me. So, like, and every night, this poor pup has to go through the fireworks. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess if I'm like a ghost, like partying, I was like see a nice fireworks show every night but then also i'm sure like that gets fucking old really quick like okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm over it um so yeah P- great great choice great selection um, oh, we're back. um well to finish out as always for our bloody new year special we must do our overall ranking for the film um hmm. 
Alex. We're just rank on our scale for this you. This is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say only because it has glimpses of actual creativity and moments that I was impressed with. I'm going to give it two yep. stars. So it will be a stoner bro. Um, I definitely don't think it lives up to its title. And I don't really mm-hmm. think this is one that I would put on again if I needed a nice New Year's Eve horror movie. I'd probably seek out something else. But, you know, it definitely had some moments. I appreciated what I saw. And I probably won't revisit. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. Two stars, stoner bro. Um, because, yeah, I don't think it's a good movie particularly. But, like, yeah, there are there are things in it I enjoyed. Um, and once again, also coming off tail end of Blood Harvest. I, I, I'm not giving it the same rating I gave fucking Blood right. Harvest. It has to be higher than that. Um, and, yeah, like, even when we were just talking about, like, the deaths, like, there is fun to be had there. There, it, This is not a movie where it's like there is literally quite literally nothing. It's just, I think, amongst the things we already discussed, it also doesn't help when you go into something and it's like, wow, great poster. And all these people are reviewing it being like, this was fucking crazy. That then like, if it's not meeting what I believe the standard is for like, this is fucking bad shit. I'm just like immediately going to be like, okay, well, meh. So... I would, yeah, I'm, I don't see myself really probably watching this again, but if you were intrigued at all to see, you know, a punch straight through yeah, the I mean, gut that, that zombifies you or being sucked into the wall of an elevator, I, I think, you know, watch it one time. And I think, I, I feel like a lot of times we end up kind of going on tirades about some egregious moment of like sexual abuse or you know problematic behavior and I think for the most part you know aside from like Spud being kind of like a douche the men in this film are fine they treat the women that they're with well and it's nice to not have to like rant and rave about like representations of women and the way that the men treat them in these films especially from a film in the 80s especially from a director who heavily directed soft core porn it's it's a nice change of pace i'm I'm happy about that i would agree you know bars on the floor as per usual unfortunately um because it's not like these women are being treated like princesses that's just like they're being treated like people (laughs) oh my god we're like oh my god thank god um so yeah but that is 1987's Bloody New Year. Um, and as we said, this episode is coming out top of December. So presumably if you're listening at the, you know, when it's released, happy beginning of December. Um, Christmas hasn't happened yet, so we hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And as always, you guys can look out for our New Year's Eve special in which we go through 10 of our favorite horror films from 2023. It is always so much fun to record and to share with everybody. Um, so at the very least look out for that um at the end of the month and then whatever alex selects for us which will hopefully be something that at least one of us fucks with for january I'll make sure to come um, to the table with something good something fun i don't know what it's gonna be yet but it'll be better than this it'll be better than blood harvest and 
We're going yeah. out. Happy holidays, everybody, with what you know, whatever holiday you celebrate. I hope that you have a wonderful mm-hmm. time. Spend some time with your family and your friends, and treat yourself because at the end of the day, you got to treat yourself. And I hope everyone's 2024 is even better than 2023. Yes. And as always, for the rest of your 2023 and for your 2024, keep it creepy. Have a bloody new year. Bye.